When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, sports fans, I've got a new show on SB Nation Radio. That's right, a national terrestrial radio show every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern. So tune in on your local FM station or stream it live from SBNationRadio.com. I'll also post the show right here as a podcast the next day. You in? It's the B-Ball Breakdown with Coach Nick on SB Nation Radio. And online at SBNationLive.com. Coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Coach Nick. Hey, sports fans. What is up? It is Coach Nick, and this is the B-Ball Breakdown. Forgive the weird opening the first segment, but we had a technical difficulty, and I think I've got it all organized and straightened out, uh, hopefully, going into the future. Uh, if you missed, we had some a couple of really great videos this week already. An April Fool's joke with Luka Doncic when I pretended that he wasn't really going to come to the NBA. It had bummed a lot of people out until they figured out it was actually just a April Fool's joke at the end. But uh, I'm laughing all the way to the bank on that one. And we did a Markel Fultz video as well, which is a, uh, a serious concern for the most of the Eastern Conference because uh, the Sixers are on a 10-game winning streak and added a legit NBA guard to their lineup, which is going to tilt some things, I think. And that makes the Cavs a little bit more worried, as I would certainly think they would would be. So without further ado, we have our first guest to bring onto this show, and that is a friend of the breakdown, Jared Weiss, who is editor of the Celtics Wire and a fellow card-carrying member of CLNS Media to talk about the Western Conference playoff race, which is, I think, too kind of a way to describe it because it's basically insanity. So Jared, thanks for coming on the show and talking this for us. Oh, it's always good to be here. Awesome. Well, listen, a lot of teams... A lot of bunching up going on there, a lot of sort of tie breaks and weird stuff. I can't even wrap my head around it, so I figured you'd be the guy that could help. Give me some insight. What's happening now? What's the state of the play right here, and what's what do you think is going to happen? All right, how many hours do we have to go for this one? Because this is one of the most insane playoff races we've had in a long time. There's just there's so many teams bunched up right next to each other trying to grapple for a position. Um, you know, you have, like, just starting with the Eastern Conference, right at the top there, Boston had no business getting back in the first seed. They've lost almost half their roster throughout the last month or so, and they're somehow in position to possibly even take back the one seed if they win in Toronto tomorrow night. Uh, they just tipped off against Milwaukee, and they have Kadeem Allen, their two-way player, starting at point guard. He's the only point guard on the active roster right now that's how banged up they are. They actually had really good point guard depth coming through the season, and now they're down to their two-way guy playing for them. And he actually just had a nice little drive and entry pass in the Aaron Baines to the basket. I mean, that's the status of the Celtics right now. They're still winning. Toronto is allowing them to hang in there because they beat Toronto the other night in a pretty shocking manner. So uh, Toronto's losing to Cleveland at the moment by a good amount. If they lose to Cleveland and then Boston beats them tomorrow night in Toronto, Boston would go back into the one seed. And that seemed like something that just wasn't going to happen. There was too much distance there, but that's turned around somehow. And then those two at least are stuck at the top where they would basically have, I think actually it's almost virtually impossible for that to, 
change at this point. Cleveland is sitting at eight, at eight and a half games back at Toronto right now. It'll be eight or I guess seven and a half if this holds. But so them and the Sixers and the Pacers are all neck and neck right now. The Cavs are a half game ahead of Philly with Philly has one more game to play compared to them. So Philly could end up tying them up. And then Indiana is a full game back, but Indiana holds the tiebreaker against both those teams. They are leading the season series against both of them. So it's somehow Indiana ends up taking it, even though they have been behind them this entire time. So it's really unclear how that's going to play out. Philly and Cleveland play one more time. It looks like whoever wins that game, it's probably going to decide who is on top between those two teams. Um, of course, if they fall down to four and five and Indiana climbs up to three, then they're basically just playing for home court advantage in the first round and then facing the one seed between the two of them, whoever advances. Sure. Uh, and then just going, going down the conference there, and I'll let you jump in when I'm done with the East here, but then we have the Wizards are a game ahead of the Heat and the Bucks who are both tied. It's completely unclear how it's going to play out, but it looks like Detroit is just too far out at this point. They're four games back in the eighth seed. It's extremely unlikely that they're going to jump back up there into the playoffs. So at least between Washington, Miami, and Milwaukee, they kind of get to pick their poison of Toronto, Boston, or most likely Cleveland, but possibly, possibly Philly or Indiana. Wow. Okay. That was a uh, incredible rundown for us. Uh, and I certainly think that a four or five uh, Philly Cleveland uh, first round matchup would be really intriguing. And I think the only thing that sucks about this whole thing is that Fultz comes back. He looks pretty good at the breakdown. I showed he's got some, you know, some real promise and certainly will help them, but he ends up taking out his own player with a serious orbital f- fracture of the, uh, around his eye. And it's Joel Embiid. And so now they're going to be stuck with a pretty, a pretty easy schedule do you think that they're going to be able to hold on and continue this winning streak and then and they continue to move up without? Yeah, I mean the thing is, like they're facing a lot of they're facing a bunch of teams that want to advance their lottery position. Um, it's not really clear what Charlotte's goal is at this point since they can't really do any they can't really change their lottery position at this point. But they have Dallas and Atlanta. Um, they'll have Milwaukee on that final night of the season where. You know, Milwaukee may not be playing for anything at that point. Besides seeding, they may they may just be resting guys. Uh, so the Detroit also, by the time they face Philadelphia, they'll probably be eliminated from the playoffs. So the only game that's clearly competitive for them is that Cleveland game. Otherwise, it's it's pretty straightforward for them. While Cleveland is facing a bunch of they're facing Toronto and Washington, then they finish home and home against New York and also a game against Dallas. And then Indiana has like a pretty ridiculous schedule. They have the Clippers and Nuggets. Uh, actually, I think they already played the Clippers this play, but they still have the Nuggets, uh, who are fighting for the playoffs. They have the Warriors in Toronto, who's obviously fighting for that one seed before Charlotte. Charlotte. So, you know, this, this seems like it's set up for Philly to walk into that three seed. And I, I you know, it's. I feel like LeBron would fight for that for that seed, but um, I mean, at this point, I think most of these teams they, they've clinched the playoffs. It doesn't change a ton about their routes to trying to get to the conference finals. I think resting their guys and making sure they're healthy is a top priority. Um, I mean, Markel Fultz has forced Joel Embiid to rest, rest if you look at it that way. So at least that's taken care of for them. Now, absolutely. Uh, so it, a lot of intrigue. It's kind of crazy. And in fact, I, I wouldn't put it past uh, LeBron 
to want to bump down uh, and not play the Sixers and want to play the Pacers, right? So you would see, like, somehow they could try and manipulate that where maybe they do drop down uh, and get that 4-5. The only problem with that is, obviously, is when they fall into that round, then that means they have to play the number one seed in the second round versus the third round, versus the conference finals. So uh, it's a lot of things Which going doesn't on. even matter this year? Um, well, I suppose, right, they don't, I, I guess, right, is Cleveland not even that concerned with playing the Raptors, for instance? They're probably not, right? I, I don't think that, you know, Boston is so banged up, right? I mean, they're winning but somehow, but they're so banged up at this point in the playoffs, I don't think they're going to be able to get away with everything that they're pulling off right now. They're going to need, they're going to need Kyrie back and fully healthy. They're going to need Marcus Smart back and healthy if they really want the chance to, I mean, the first seed obviously is uh, the first round is obviously a concern, but the second round definitely would be a concern for them. So they may be a more appealing matchup if Kyrie is still slow. You know, Kyrie is still slow to recover from that injury that could hold them out for the first round. It's pretty unclear at this point. Um, but I mean, the Sixers are—they've won ten straight. I mean, they're—they're—they're—they've been incredible so far. So I think most teams would want to try to do what they can to avoid them. And I know Indiana is also doing really well right now. So if Cleveland has a choice between the two of them, I, I still think they'd rather take Indiana just because, you know, Philly's won 10 straight and they're holding it together without Embiid. But, like, they know Embiid is one of the hardest guys to stop in the NBA. Cleveland, I think, is pretty well equipped to try to contain Victor Oladipo. So there's if I can choose between Philly and Indiana, even though Indiana's been really good this year, I would choose I would still choose them every single time over Philly. For sure. And so uh, as we wrap this up, uh, what about the Celtics' health? You mentioned that, like, they, obviously they're banged up. Uh, do they have any hope of getting completely healthy before the playoffs start? Yeah, well, I mean, they're not getting smart back before the playoffs. We know that. He's hoping to return around the end of the first round, start of the second round. Kyrie, the early, the early uh, stage of his return timeline or window would have him ready next week, or at least the end of next week in time for the playoffs. But that seems to be very optimistic at this point. It seems like they're preparing. I mean, Stevens has made multiple comments about preparing to go into the playoffs with the current roster that they have, meaning with Irving still injured. They seem to be preparing for life without Irving in the first round. I mean, it really depends who they face. But they could face anybody from Washington where not having Irving would probably really hurt them. Um, to Miami and Milwaukee where it feels a little more survivable. But Terry Rozier has been playing so well that mm-hmm. they haven't really missed Irving that much. They will in the playoffs, but right now this is a good example of things that they're able to get away with with Irving out. Well, I cannot wait. I mean, we've been waiting for this the whole season long, and it's finally upon us. Only a few games left in this season, and we still don't know. We didn't even talk about the Western Conference, which is complete ridiculousness. So we'll have to, you know, I'll have to bring on Dave before or someone else to talk about that later in the show because I can't wrap my head around that either. But, again, uh, great stuff. Way to break it down for us, Jared. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll have to have you back on uh, when we figure out what's happening in the playoffs. Always great to be here. And tell Dave I say what up. <laughs> you got it. Well, that was Jared Weiss of the Celtics Wire and CLNS Media. I'm Coach Nick, and this is the B-Ball Breakdown. So don't go anywhere, because we'll be right back after this commercial break. It's the B-Ball Breakdown with Coach Nick on SB Nation Radio. Coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Coach Nick. 
Hey, sports fans. It's Coach Nick. Always happy to come in to the tantalating, uh, titillating sounds of uh, ACDC. So thank you, Robert, for that one. Good choice. And uh, we're going to have an interesting segment. We want to talk a little bit about the NCAA tournament finals, the Villanova second in three years win, where they've basically revolutionized the way offense is being played. So who better to bring in on the show to talk about this than Jeff Diepenbrock, who is the uh, video coordinator for the Georgia State men's basketball team and a guy who's watched as much footage of them as anybody else. And I know we, I've been sharing it with him today. So, Jeff, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Coach. How's it going? Uh, it's going. We're, I mean, I think you and I were both in the middle of trying to get a video out on this offense that they've been running. Um, and it's yeah. cool because, you know, I found I did an interview with uh, Coach Wright uh, right before they won or the, the season they won the first uh, title. And he talked a lot about the, uh, the the concepts of what they want to do on offense. And I think it's it's kind of fascinating to see how uh, they've refined it and it's kind of gotten better and better. And here we are where they, they won easily uh, all their games in the tournament. Yeah, I mean, you said it. I mean, this is kind of stuff they've been doing for you know, a decade plus now, and I think this year the personnel has not only bought in better, but they've been more unselfish than teams in the past. And I think for me, the biggest addition was the addition of Amari Spellman. Um, you know, a five man is six ten, is a forty percent three point shooter, and makes it really hard for other teams to play traditional fives out there because they're. A lot of the fives, even on the on the best teams like uh, Azabuki from Kansas, just are not good defenders on perimeter and just look lost at times. So it's, it's, I haven't, I don't watch a ton of college. So what you're telling me is there's just not a lot of college coaches that are running out, uh, you know, small ball lineups with a center that could shoot threes. It seems like, I mean, Wagner, does he count as a center for Michigan? He would be a center. Yeah, he's a, another great example, and that's a big part of the reason they were in the final. Um, but. You know, you have the, the best point guard in the country in Brunson. You have two NBA players on the wings with, with Bridges and DiVincenzo, who are extremely athletic. And then you got a guy like Eric Pascal, who is – so the funny thing about Pascal is he's about 6'8", and a lot of the fours that they've played in the past are about 6'5". Um, but not only can he shoot it like a traditional three, um, he's, he can bang down low and pass out of the post. And then you have Spellman at 6'10". Uh, you know, All-American out of high school who dropped about 40 pounds in the last year. And he's as versatile and as skilled as any five in the country outside of, you know, DeAndre Ayton. Without question. And that certainly causes uh, the biggest X factor for them. I mean, I think you combine. I think the, what I liked about what they did was they would flip positions. So they would let Brunson, who's the point guard, post up, a la like Mark Jackson right. used to do. And then they would they would sure. bring his man out. And you could tell Spellman's man, the center, is like can't help himself. He has to go help. He feels like he must take yep. a couple steps over. And they would find him open for threes. Uh, and in, 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 am I correct in thinking that he looks a lot like sort of an Al Horford prototype? Yeah, that's not a bad comparison. Um, I think he's really skilled, but he couldn't play for long stretches at a time um, coming into college. That was something that they've dropped so much weight on him, and he's, he's at, you know as athletic as ever. And early in the games, I think fives on the other team that are guarding him are just they're so used to staying around the basket, and then you know as as uh, Villanova gets their driving kick going. Stillman is, is terrific at relocating and finding open areas, and those five are just left under the basket just to be fuddled. And Stillman gets open looks early, and then you know the other team's defense has to readjust to the remainder of the game. 
Absolutely. Another thing is the attack on the catch, which is uh, an important concept I've tried to spread across the the uh, Twitterverse and whatnot about uh, the fact that you're never more open than when you catch the ball. I, otherwise, uh, yeah. they wouldn't have thrown it to you. <laughs> and I, when I ask young players right. that, they usually have a hard time. And when I answer that, a, ask them that question, I say, why Why is that? And when they get it, they're like, oh, so why would we wait for the defense to catch up? And it's just been a, a really important concept, which doesn't really eliminate the triple threat uh, necessarily, but it's certainly certainly um, gives the kind of aggressiveness to, to players that might in the past not have had that kind of aggressiveness, making everybody that much tougher to guard. Yeah, I, I think that's important. And, you know, with Villanova, Jay Wright has always been terrific at, at skill development. And I'm, I'm glad he's finally getting the, the credit that he deserves and everybody sees it on a national scale. Um, but they've gotten their guys a lot better. I mean, DiVincenzo was really just an athlete in high school that played hard. He's tough. Um, around the basket, but he, he's now considered an elite jump shooter, and that's what's put him on the you know, NBA radar of quite a few teams. And then, uh, you know, Mikael Bridges as well is a guy that will be a first-round pick this year as a 3-and-D guy. And, you know, Brunson, has, was a, he was a McDonald's All-American, so he was obviously very good in high school, but, I mean, he's an elite National Player of the Year type of guy, and all that can be you know, credited to Jay Wright. Sure. And, you know, the one thing that they really have, I think, above all else is chemistry. When you watch them play, they work together really yeah. well. And it's kind of like the kind of chemistry you want to be able to achieve if you were dating, for instance. And I want to tell you, sure. you know, if you, I'm sure you know about this, but certainly eHarmony is the place. If you're looking for that kind of chemistry uh, on an online dating site that will help you find um, your match. And they use a lot of amazing things like uh, science and data and psychological research to send you the right matches. And they've they've connected uh, tons and tons of people and really happy people who have been able to, you know, find meaningful, lasting relationships. And so right now, if you want to find your match and get that kind of chemistry going with, uh, with your significant other, then you can sign up for a three-month subscription uh, and get a free month if you use my code COACH at checkout. So, uh, Jeff, I know that you're already uh, married and in love, so it's not something that you're looking for. But certainly, um, I know you, you recommend eHarmony to anybody else who's in, in the market, right? Oh, yeah. I know quite a few people that use it, actually. Well, stop waiting and start your journey to a satisfying, meaningful relationship. It can be fun to play around with online dating apps, but when you're ready to fall in love with someone and have a meaningful relationship, there's one app that's built to bring you real love, eHarmony. Come see how eHarmony can change your life. Go to eHarmony.com and get started and enter my code COACH at checkout. So, uh, but again, the point remains uh, that the, the kind of chemistry that you develop when you're moving the ball and you're sharing it and you're creating and being a joy to play with, clearly, uh, I can only hope, will trickle down and take hold uh, in the rest of the college uh, basketball. So do we, are we going to see more and more teams play uh, sort of uh, read and react and, and more open like this? Yeah, that's, you know, that's what's funny about Villanova. They're not running anything super complicated or crazy. They're just making the right reads. And their guys know how to play, and their driving kick game is, is the best I've ever seen. Um, it's a big reason why they are you know they were number one in the country in uh, you know, effective field goal percentage. And, you know, I, I think a lot of college teams are starting to play uh, it, that small ball where the four-man has to be able to step out and shoot a three. But they're playing a five-out lineup that is extremely hard to, to match. And um, I think that's something that I, you know, a lot of college teams in the future will, will look to try to do. Um, you know, Obviously, they have a great point guard. and makes a lot of other people better. But the, 
the point remains that that small ball system is going to be prevalent for years to come in college. I, I hope so. I hope we start seeing a little bit more of a, a wide open game where they're looking to attack, uh, you know, uh, on every action and every pass. Because it seemed to me that for a long time you'd see a lot of colleges run an offense where it was designed to sort of waste time in the first 10 seconds of the possession and they weren't ever looking to score. And I think that that's an issue. I, I suppose it also goes along with the 30 second shot clock, which is a little bit faster than 35 used to be. But, um, yep. you know, I, I think that I think we can get rid of that first like 10 seconds of nothing nothingness that was happening a lot across college basketball. I think it would be better for it. Do you think, do you agree? Yeah, I, I think what they do is, you know, Coach Wright and his staff really preach, if you have a shot, take it, you know. Um, they, he gives their, their guys a lot of freedom, and that's because they're so skilled. Uh, when your players are really skilled, I mean, you want a higher possession game. And you know, taking a shot early in the shot clock or just a, an awful one-pass transition for three, and they're excellent at that. Um, stuff that we see in the NBA a lot, um, and I, I think that you know that, that it's a testament to really what their staff does with their players and gives them confidence to shoot shots no matter where it is in the shot clock. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a joy to watch. I, I agree, and I think that also, yeah, it starts to uh, balance out when you have a team that might not be as talented as, as somebody else. And certainly, I know they have the best point guard in the country, and, and they have some really good players. But uh, there are a lot of teams that had maybe arguably better players or more talent. And I think that this is what's going to hopefully trickle down to high school as well, where we're going to start to see teams that you know might have um, you know less talent, but can actually play up to teams by taking good three point shots and taking volume three point shots. Yeah. To your point, the last three champions, you had Villanova this year, you had North Carolina last year, and then you had North Carolina, I'm sorry, Villanova the year before that. These were all, these were all guys that had played together at least two or three years. Um, and, you know, about 10, you know, 10 years ago, that one-and-done deal started to become really popular, obviously. And, you know, it still is with a team like Duke or, you know, Kentucky, but the teams that have been cutting down the nets have been guys that, you know, play well with one another and you know kind of reminded me of the EuroLeague championship this summer uh, Eurobasket I should say with guys like Slovenia that have played together for you know a decade or whatnot um, and it, that kind of um, freewheeling read and react basketball is becoming much more popular and successful in college and it's great to see for sure. Well, that's Jeff Diepenbrock, who is the video coordinator for the Georgia State men's basketball team, joining me as he has already a number of times with insight and great analysis. So thanks for coming on the show, Jeff, and we will check in with you uh, at, when we need you next time for College in, uh, Insight. Sounds good, Coach. Talk to you later. You got it. And don't forget, I am Coach Nick. This is the B-Ball Breakdown. And we have a lot more coming up. I got Dave Dufour coming up in our last segment, or our last major segment. We're going to talk about the Western Conference and the insanity that is the playoffs. So don't go anywhere. No flipping. Be right back here after these messages from our sponsors on the B-Ball Breakdown. It's the B-Ball Breakdown with Coach Nick on SB Nation Radio. Coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Coach Nick. 
Hey, sports fans, it's Coach Nick. Okay, the Doors this time, always a great way to come into that as well. Big fan and living in Southern California. I could never understand that uh, why the Doors and the Eagles were just simply on, you know, that's all they listened to on the radio growing up in the 70s. It seemed like that would be like, uh, but my wife who grew up here insisted that was not how it was. Uh, they played the Birds too. So, uh, we are going to now talk about the Western Conference insanity because I know Jared Weiss in our first segment talked about the Eastern Conference, which, you know, it was, it's crazy. It's, it's a little crazy there, but it's nothing <laughs> like what we're going to see in the Western Conference. And who else, who better to bring on the show to discuss that is my partner in crime over on my podcast, Dave Dufour, who is a basketball coach, and he also hosts his own podcast on the NBA with Dave Dufour. So, Dave, how are you doing, my man? I'm doing all right. You know, they give out the podcast now with the Blogger Boy Starter Kit. Oh, okay. Well, what's included in the Starter Kit besides that? I think it's a, a beard and a hoodie. Uh, you know, it's not a good swag bag. Ah, okay, good. Well, which kind of reminds me, I'm, I'm kind of curious out there. Uh, if you're if you're out there listening right now on the radio, just you know, tweet me at Ball Breakdown. Let me know that you're out there, and, and uh, if you, I'm kind of curious if you if you live in the same city that you cheer for the team uh, or not. I'm, I'm we're doing a little bit of a market research here, so let me know if you actually live in LA and then cheer for the Lakers, the Clippers, or are you a Celtics fan living out here? I'm kind of curious how that plays out. Uh, but let's let's talk about the Western Conference here, Dave, because uh, it's a uh, it's a mess, and I don't know. Can are you going to be able to give us any uh, guarantees of what's going to happen? <laughs> no, I, I I can't. You know, uh, a couple days ago I said I'm pretty sure we've got our top eight, and then Mason or yeah Mason Plumley, the right Plumley, Mason Plumley saved the Nugget season, and then the Bucks totally uh, crapped the bed, and the Nuggets pull out two wins that they shouldn't have gotten, and all of a sudden they're only one game out of eight. Uh, and now I don't know what to think. I mean, they, they still have a shot. If they win out, I think they're in the playoffs. Interesting. Well, here's the problem. I can't tell from strength of schedule, you know, because you see Houston and the, and the Warriors pop up there, and it kind of feels like they're just going to coast and not really play very hard. So those aren't really tough games anymore in theory, right? But, you know, they have pride, and they're going to roll out their guys. Um, and so I'm confused because, okay, here's what I think we know for sure. I think we know for sure that the Portland Trailblazers are number three. Is that safe to say? Uh, it feels that way, yeah. I mean, they could still lose it, but – They've got a three-game cushion over the fourth seed with only, uh, what, uh, five games to go. So I, I think that they're okay. Okay, so let's just say they're third, and we already know the Rockets and Warriors are first and second. So, okay, so here's the thing. The Spurs are 17 games behind. They're, they're two games up on the eighth spot um, and with, again, like about five games to go. So they could fall. any of these teams could fall out of the playoffs after this point. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so close. I mean, if we if we include the Clippers in this, there's only four games separating ten and four, um, and then uh, the Nuggets are one game ahead of the Clippers. So really, it's from from nine to four, you've got a three game difference, and you know, with four or five games left for most teams, this is uh, I mean, this is really really tight. The tiebreakers. You know, I, I've got old info on the tiebreakers. I don't even know if these are still accurate. They're from four days ago. So, I mean, that's how that's how fast and loose everything is right now in this playoff race. I know. You know how about this? Let's go backwards or from the bottom. Do the Clippers have any chance of getting in, do you think? I mean, I just don't see it happening. I think they would have to also win out, and then they would need some luck on their side. Um, you know, if, if they win out, 
it, it's close. Again, I mean, I think every team basically controls its own destiny, and so that's where, like you were saying, I mean, the Clippers play the Spurs uh, in L.A. tonight, and, um, you know, the, the Spurs have had their number. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so the, the, Spurs, he... the Spurs, the Spurs even own the tiebreaker. They they've won both meetings so far this year. Okay, so that's going to be tough for them. But you know, you never know. They're at home, and the Spurs are a little bit up and down because they are they're so banged up that it's hard to know like which team is going to show up and play well or not. Uh, after that, they have the Jazz, which is not going to be an easy game for them. The Jazz are going to be playing for it. They got to play the Nuggets. They got to play the Pelicans, so they've got four team, four games in a row against all the teams they're, they're vying against. I think it's the only team in this whole mess that has that many games against real teams that want to win. Yeah, it's, it's true. Uh, they definitely have the hardest schedule left. Okay, so let's let's cancel them out. Let's pretend they're not going to make it. So right, let's make this easier on us. So now we have okay. So we have we, the Blazers are third. <laughs> we have between the Spurs, Thunders, Thunder, Jazz, Timberwolves, Pelicans, Nuggets. One of those teams doesn't make it. Throw a dart on the door, dartboard. What are you thinking? I mean, I, you know, I'm looking at the schedule right now, and Denver actually has nothing but playoff teams left, and the Clippers. So they've got a pretty tough schedule left. Um, I, I think that. My yeah. gut says that they miss the playoffs. Uh, New Orleans, uh, they get Phoenix and Memphis twice in their last six games. Um, Oklahoma City gets gets Memphis, um, but they've got a tough schedule. I don't. Everyone's got a tough schedule. It's the craziest thing, you know. Usually, right now, all of us are preparing for for the playoffs to start. We're starting our playoff previews and all these sorts of things. There's no way to do any previews ahead of time because I really do think it's going to come down to Wednesday night, and we're going to we're going to have games that are going to matter. And you know, I've been calling them loser leave leave town uh, games because we're going to have someone miss the playoffs because of a loss on the last night of the season. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, this this is like March Madness uh, for us uh, in April. Uh, now I will say that the uh, the Pelicans' uh, schedule though: Grizzlies, Suns, Warriors, Clippers, Spurs. So the Grizzlies and Suns those should be games they can win, and they're backing into it right now. They got a four game losing streak, which is not the look you want at this point of the season. Uh, granted, against the Rockets, Blazers, Cavs, and Thunder, so tough teams. Um, they play, play the Warriors on, on the April seventh. I think that's going to be a, a game the Warriors probably, will probably sit guys right. So that's not going to be a an insurmountable task. Uh, but then you're right, the Clippers and the Spurs. So that Spurs-Pelicans game on the, the 11th, the end of the season, it, it, without question, will we'll decide some playoff fate. Yeah, it's going to matter. And, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, on the positive end, teams are going to be able to sort of determine their own position once they feel comfortable that they've got the, the playoff uh, positioning or just at least a position in the playoffs locked in. You know, they're going to be able to tank kind of, to uh, to a seed that gets them a favorable favorable first-round matchup. You know, I don't think the Trailblazers want to run into the Spurs in the first round. Hell, I don't think the Rockets want to run into the Spurs in the first round. I, I To me, you know, let's see, the Rockets and the Spurs, I think that the Jazz are the team that nobody wants to play in the first round, don't you think? It's a murderer's row. Let's just put it this way. If, if, I'm, if I'm a Western Conference team with home court advantage, um, I'm okay playing – Minnesota and maybe OKC over Utah and San Antonio. And I don't ask me why. That's very much a gut feeling thing. 
but I think I would just rather play those teams than, than Utah or San Antonio. It must be the defense. It's my bias toward defense. Yeah, I think it's also uh, Pop, and I think it's also Aldridge. I think we've seen time and again that LaMarcus Aldridge can be that guy and doing it from, like, the low post and then the mid-range, which is, you know, that's a tough cover when you don't have – you know, we talk about having a guy to guard LeBron and you always need to have someone like that. Well, you kind of have to have a guy that could guard Aldridge. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, and, I mean, I don't, I don't know who's going to guard him for uh, for a lot of these teams and, you know – we, we, we've seen him before in the playoffs put, put the Spurs on his back and throw up 40. Um, he's going to need a lot of nights like that, it, it, you know, without Kawhi. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if he can sustain it. Um, but with that being said, I mean, he's been fantastic this season. Yeah, I, I don't feel really good about the Timberwolves for some reason. The, the Butler is still out, um, and I don't really feel that great about New Orleans. I, I just feel like... You know, we've talked about this before with Anthony Davis and the fact that he's, you know, he, he puts up amazing numbers, but there's something empty to me, and I have a hard time figuring out why. I still haven't quite figured it out because, again, he's a transcendent player. But uh, if, I had to, if I had to say, you know, who wasn't going to make it in, I, kinda, I still feel uneasy about the Wolves and the Pelicans. I mean, I think that the Spurs are in. They're a lock. They have a two-game cushion with five-game left. I think they're a lock. I think OKC is a lock, uh, you know, even though they're not playing great. Um, and the Jazz are also a lock. So I feel like, yeah, that's when you start looking at the Timberwolves and the Pelicans. And then, you know what, so the Nuggets to you, I was on vacation. I didn't see those two games. To, to you, the Nuggets are just completely uh, were gift wrapped in a couple games that kept them in the race. Yeah, I mean, and they, they were lucky to do it. Um, so, you know, I, I think most of, my, most of my friends that cover the Nuggets had kind of resigned themselves that the Nuggets were going to miss the playoffs. And they definitely have rescued their season. I mean, they're they're giving themselves a real chance to uh, to actually make it, and then potentially the seven or or sixteen. Yeah, that, and that's the other thing that's crazy is that um, you know you you could just be out of the playoffs right now, five games to go, and then next thing you know you're like you have a six seed or something crazy like that. I don't know if that's going to yeah. happen, but um, yeah, uh, you know, and and but you're right. Not only is it just the um, who's going to make it, but it's then it's these first-round matchups that are so intriguing, again, because that's what's going to be fascinating. Do, are, do you think on the Eastern Conference side, it's, it came up earlier, do you think that LeBron is going to try and manipulate this so they can avoid playing, um, you know, Philly and, and maybe and try and get down no to the idea. fourth spot? I don't know, but if, if you've watched them recently, you know, they're 8-2 and two in their last 10. They, they've looked impressive tonight so far. Um, I don't think... LeBron is ducking anybody. LeBron right now looks like he's at the peak of his powers. They've got Kevin Love back, and that's such a huge deal. And, and, you know, Kevin Love has gotten to this point where he's an underrated player at this point. He's so good, and he's so important out there with LeBron. So, um, yeah, I think the Cavs are once again the favorites, and I hate to say that. I've been been touting the Raptors since about mid-December. But, man, when LeBron's playing like this, it's hard to go against him. I know. I watched the first, um, almost the whole first quarter before I prepped for the show. And, um, yeah, it's just like there's just something, um, something uh, about the Raptors playing the Cavaliers that just, you know, I, I wonder if, like, you know, when they're all old and sitting in the retirement home reminiscing, uh, they're just, they're just going to shake their head and be like, we just, it, it was just one of those things that was never going to happen. Yeah, it's. It's a bummer. It's a bummer. I, I, you know, if they if they don't do well in the playoffs this year, you're going to hear the cries of "blow it up." Oh, a bit this summer, and they will, won't they? Um, I don't know. I don't know if they will. I mean, I still think that there's inherent value in being a really good team. You know, like there's no. 
I don't know. There's no there's no shame in in just being you know one of the top five or six teams in the league and you don't win a title. Like I mean, it, it is what it is. Remember, only one team wins a title every year, and you only got three real contenders every season. So you know, it, it's it's not the end of the world to to be the Toronto Raptors the last few, few years. I guess so. I'm just thinking that they've won more games than ever in their whole franchise history. They're number one. This is their. They, they couldn't play any better. They couldn't change the culture any more than they have, and they still lose. Uh, we'll, we'll find out. But uh, to me, that means uh, tear it down and, and start over. But you're right. It's, it's hard because you want to have a, a winner and a, a competitive team. And certainly when you come on the show, it's always a winner, Dave. So uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, well, I can't wait to come on uh, the, the podcast later on this week again and have a, a more thorough discussion. Absolutely. Okay, you got it. Well, that was Dave Dufour. I'm Coach Nick, and we will have a uh, we had a great show. Uh, we have a little wrap up after this, so stay with us. But uh, certainly, uh, put some clarity to what's going on in the Eastern and the Western Conference playoff races. So, stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. And this is Coach Nick, and this is also the B Ball Breakdown. It's the B Ball Breakdown with Coach Nick on SB Nation Radio. Coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Coach Nick. Hey, sports fans, it is Coach Nick, and I'm back uh, as we wrap up another great show. Uh, a little bit of a weird uh, beginning, unfortunately. I'm sorry about that if you were there live with us, but uh, no worries. And uh, we had a great show. Uh, we talked a lot about what's going on with Jared Weiss uh, and the Eastern Conference side of things with a little bit of a Celtics bent, as he is wont to do as he covers the Celtics, and uh, wondering whether or not the LeBron era will come to an end. Uh, interesting, he's never finished lower than second, as far as I heard on the radio, on the uh, TV earlier today. I think that was true. And he certainly is poised to finish below that this year. Uh, so that's a first. And we'll have to see how that plays out and whether or not they're going to um, manipulate a little bit of where their placement is to avoid somebody versus not. I think that they might. I don't think they're going to want to play uh, the Sixers in the first round. I think they're going to want to try and get the Pacers. But again, it's so razor thin with those uh, game, with the uh, the way the games are stacked that they might not be able to afford that. They might just have to say, you know what, we're going to win them out and, and see what happens. And if it's harder for us, uh, then it'll be harder for us. But we'll see. Um, and then we had the Western Conference, and Dave and I, I don't know if we shed enough light, but we certainly got a little bit closer, I think, to eliminating a couple teams we think aren't going to make it. And um, then it's a question of with the matchups, and that's what's going to be crazy. So we'll be scrambling uh, once those get locked in in a week or so to uh, to get some more insight into that and some previews and some videos. But I know I'm hard at work right now on a Villanova offense video that uh, Jeff Diepenbrock, who came on to talk about that, uh, has helped me with getting some clips. So um, that should be great. It'll come out tomorrow early uh, in the morning. And I can't wait to sort of show you the dawn of a new era of offense, even though I'm sure there's a lot of college coaches out there that will tell you that they that they didn't play in that way. And we've seen this kind of style, five out, uh, spread, uh, center, shoot the ball. But uh, clearly uh, what the – uh, Villanova team is doing is is sort of head and shoulders shoulders above the rest and uh, giving an advantage to a team that doesn't always have uh, the top top talent. Although you can't argue that they don't have great talent. They have an NBA player in Bridges and they have a, a really good player in Brunson who's got NBA lineage. So, uh, but I think it's a good uh, uh, sort of a layout or a blueprint for for coaches uh, at every level who are looking for an advantage and want to be able to compete even though they don't have the best players. And I think that's what they're doing. A lot of ball movement, a lot of uh, spacing and a lot of threes. Uh, you get hot, 
you get enough, you train the right way, you get these guys to shoot well, and then uh, you go on those big runs, and the game is over quickly. So, uh, as this show was, it's over much too quickly every week, every week but uh, you know, every Tuesday I'm here on Espionation Radio. So, always uh, make sure to get your dials tuned in and stream or on the radio, wherever you might be in whatever market. And um, I will be back again next Tuesday again to join you and uh, talk more about the NBA and what's going on in the landscape. So, thanks guys for coming, and I will talk to you guys soon. And don't forget, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel, we're a conversation. You win, 